<clears throat> That's what I love about this chant is when we sing it, it sounds like, you know, we're praising God or we're like, oh, look at you, you're everywhere. And when the saints sing it, they're just describing what they see. They're just like, ah, oh, there he is, there he is. And it's, a, it's an entirely different way. And often when we look at the Gita as well, it almost seems like um, Krishna wants to be praised and therefore he wants to be worshipped and therefore he's like, really telling you how vast he is, how great he is, but it's really just telling you how to experience him in so many different ways. He's like, can't you see? Don't you see me everywhere? Don't you just naturally get drawn to me in all these little different ways? And so the previous chapter, Krishna wanted us to really tune into his uh, kind of twofold reality as that which is in creation and especially that which is separate from creation, that unmanifested state. Now, once again, he comes back to draw, which is the, what this chapter is called, from unmanifested to manifested. He was kind of drawing back now. How can you experience me once again in all that exists? This is chapter 10, verse 1. The blessed Lord said, O mighty armed Arjuna, hear now my supreme utterance. Speaking for your highest good, I will say more to you who have listened with joy. If you remember the previous chapter, it started with Krishna again addressing Arjuna and saying, I will reveal to you this wisdom who he who has, Arjuna, overcome the carping spirit and we based the entire chapter on the fact that this wisdom was re revealed to Arjuna because he had overcome that carping spirit, that carping spirit being the spirit of negativity, fault finding and complaining. That's kind of somewhere hidden inside all of us. I don't think any of us can fully say we have overcome it. But the very fact that many of us are trying to overcome it. So God is trying to reveal this information to us. This chapter, however, he's laying another condition, you can say. I will say more to you. It's like Krishna could have stopped there, but he's going to continue, not because he wants to continue, not because I have so much more to tell you, because you who have listened with joy. Now that's the other quality that needs to start coming in much more. One is this dispassioned, ah, okay, I don't see anything. I see all things as equal. This is the previous chapter. Manifest, unmanifest, in creation, beyond creation, it's all equal. I'm to a certain degree indifferent to pleasure and pain, to ups and downs, to greats and not so greats. But now Krishna is saying, okay, let's, that's a great consciousness to bring. But now we have to take it one step further. You who have listened with joy. And we have to come back also to the realization that we kind of reminded ourselves in the last class as well. Is All this conversation is taking place inside the devotee. This is revealed experience that is being given to Arjuna in deep meditation. Because remember where Arjuna is. He's in the Shushumna right now. 
Take me in the center, in between both the armies, both the Kauravas and the Pandavas. Bring me to my very center, away from the duality of the Ida and the Pingala, into the Shushumna. So this is what the devotee is also experiencing in his meditation. He starts off with doubt, with not knowing whether he should really fight this fight, how much energy to give, how much to let go. You know, we've always, this is a very common question, isn't it? Kitna jor lagao, kitna let me leave it in God's hands. And Krishna starts by saying, pehle to jor lagao, first fight this battle. Put out that energy first. And then he starts revealing different realities one by one by one, which are revealed truths that a devotee will experience in deep meditation. Now we've gotten to the, to the truth, to the experience, where duality itself has ceased, we've been able to step away from everything and we are now able to see it all as equal. All is God. But from this state of equalness, there still must be a draw, a pull. And that first draw and pull is the draw of joy, of bliss. We have to start experiencing that bliss because joy and bliss has to be our guiding principle, not, well, it doesn't matter because all is the same. Because that state of consciousness, if it doesn't have joy behind it, very easily slips into indifference, complacency, slips into what difference does it make, it's all God. And laziness comes in, dullness comes in, lack of compassion comes in. So you have to be very mindful. It's lovely how Krishna from the very first verse already sets the direction. You who have listened with joy, in your meditation, have you been listening and feeling and tuning into God and experiencing His joy? Or are you just there to meditate and somehow kind of get across, get through these 30 minutes or one hour and say, Ki bhai, kaha ho? why aren't you giving me anything? So assuming all of us have been listening to the Gita thus far with great joy, Krishna continues, neither the multitude of gods, which is, you know, the celestial beings, nor the great sages, Know me in my unmanifested state. I am their source and origin. The celestial gods you understand. But I was always confused. Well, even the sages Krishna is saying don't know me. And we'll talk a little bit about further about these sages. Because we have to differentiate between these are those primordial celestial sages. The Saptarishis, the Kumars that Krishna talks a little bit further about. And you have to differentiate them from the self-realized masters who do know God in his unmanifest state, as is evident from verse 3. Whoever realizes me, these are those self-realized masters, however, unborn and without any beginning, as well as the Lord of creation, whoever realizes these both states of mine have conquered delusion and is sinless, though he inhabit a human body. And this is the state our Guru called the Jivan Mukta state, where in this body, while we're living out the drama, while we're very much in Maya, we finally realized God's true nature through deep meditation. And when that nature is revealed to us, what happens is the sense of I, the I that says, oh, I'm separate from it all. Because even when we're talking about God, there's still this 
सेंस कि गॉड है और मैं हूं गॉड्स इन दैट लैम्प बट ही इज देयर ओ गॉड्स इन दिस पर्सन बट ही इज देयर ओ गॉड्स अप इन द स्काई बट ही इज देयर दैट रियलाइजेशन वेन इट फाइनली सेट्स इन सजेस्ट दैट देर हैज नेवर बिन एनीथिंग बट गॉड एंड देर फोर देर हैज नेवर बिन एनीथिंग लाइक द आई दैट एग्जिस्ट एंड वेन दैट आई dissolves into that infinite state of joy of bliss as krishna says that is the state yogananda said from that moment on what krishna calls sinless is the state where that yogi no longer creates any karma from that moment on every action every word every thought creates no ripple in creation no dualistic cause and effect controls his actions or responds to his actions unless that which he intends to create the world becomes one united reality completely in harmony with everything that he does and that's the state we're aspiring for not necessarily overcoming all our karmas which is another misconception on the spiritual path we think the spiritual path is i have to just you know get rid of all my karmas which is one way to approach this process but that's a very long way because we have a lot of karma and in the process of overcoming karma we we're, we're still creating karma every thought of you know it's just it's, it's it's a very hard one to figure out because it's like while i'm at it i'm actually just it's still building so the real intention here is to understand the divine play less than if i can work out everything that i've already put into motion because once that divine play is understood then no more karma is created and that's almost you can say the starting point to then start working on the heap that still exists discrimination wisdom calm clarity forgiveness truthfulness sense control inner peace joy sorrow birth death fear courage harmlessness it's a long list equanimity serenity self discipline charity fame notoriety these states vastly diverse as they are derive from my one self they are modifications of my one essential nature so you have to get to this point this is arjuna experiencing these things remember the poem we did a meditation on the poem samadhi the master just goes again good bad birth death you know happiness sorrow all of them are just manifestations of god that's the experience of samadhi and in the gita that as swami ji expands based on yogananda's explanations he really wants us to realize this as an experience we have daily because when i look at this and i was like wow it's just like how am i going to figure out all of this is just god my own discrimination my own wisdom my own fame my notoriety my sorrow i mean it's it's really hard it's like how do i really experience god in all of this and swami ji wants us to remember and this is why we're already to a certain degree living the experience of god and that's through the particular experience of our dreaming and that's a helpful visual to always hold 
when we dream our consciousness the entirety of our consciousness kind of manifests the entire dream world right i mean imagine i'm having a dream of i'm at a party with a friend and there are a lot of other people and you know some people i like some people i don't like and i'm experiencing all those emotions in that moment well, where are the, all these things coming from they're all just a product of my consciousness this one consciousness has modified itself this is what krishna says they are modifications of my one essential nature that same consciousness has modified itself to become jealousy to become anger to become the floor to become the lights to become the coolness to become heat to become discomfort to become relaxation to become me and to become everybody else in the room so this consciousness pervades everything yet in that dream you and i identify with that one person and says that's me that's the person who's having this dream who's having this experience well that's not true at all because it's all just you it's all just your consciousness it's all just a play of modifications and when we can understand that that's why when you depict god in that state of satchitananda that's vishnu sleeping on that uh, his serpent the serpent is ananta which is endlessness sleeping on these still waters which represents that complete vast infinite nature of god that has no ripples no waves but he's sleeping because that's the dream that god's dreaming right now through each of us and you are saying i am this and she's saying i am this and somebody else is saying i am this and i'm saying i am this and each of us are forgetting that it's all just that vast consciousness but we have access to it don't we we get to glimpse it in these stages where we are not really fully able to understand that experience yet we have that experience every night practically so remember those experiences each time and remember yourself as all those people as the very person you dislike as the very feeling of disliking and as the anger as it erupts inside you all of that is your consciousness so now we take that same kind of minuscule experience and we start to grow it and start to expand it and say this is god's dream this is his experience and then we start tuning into everything in our lives from that prism from that understanding verse 6 the seven great rishis those are the saptarishis the primeval primeval four which are the four kumars and the 14 manus are all modifications of my nature born of my projected thought and endowed with creative powers like mine from these progenitors come all the life forms on earth so krishna is here is saying in my leela as that unmanifested state a portion of my unmanifested consciousness is modified into these three aspects the saptarishis the four kumaras and the 14 manus now we don't need to know who they are what they are what krishna is saying here is that god does not also create directly but through instruments and agencies the manus 
represent the divine laws that are in play. The Manus were the administrators. The Saptarishis and the four Kumaras were called Manasputra. They were born out of the mind of Brahma. So they represent that causal ideational plane where everything exists as a thought. And from that thought, given energy, creation begins to form. In the traditional understanding, all of us can trace back our lineage through the Gotra back to one of these Saptarishis. And they are, so from them, from the causal level, they gave birth to the celestial beings. And then the celestial beings create us. So Krishna is talking about how he works from consciousness, ideationally, energetically, physically. So he'll start explaining that whole process. But it's, it's really confusing because it's a lot of names and it's a lot of understandings and none of it is important except understanding these words. Born of my projected thought, you and I as well, the same dream nature, and endowed with my creative powers. So we are endowed. We can follow the same flow Krishna is going to explain and create and manifest and put our consciousness into the world just as he does. He who realizes the truth of my prolific manifestations and the creative and dissolving power of my divine yoga is unshakably united to me. So you see, Krishna is going two ways. One is to understand this is how God works. The other is to become how God works. And we have to go both ways. Being united to Krishna is not falling at his feet and saying, Are to see great ho. It is to become all these things, to understand how powerful your mind is. That which is born of your mind, that itself is creation. We are creating the Saptarishis and the Kumaras. We are the administrators of this universe. Because this universe responds to everything that we do. And starts right here, Manasputra. So think about who are your Manasputras. Not just, Ki bhai, kone ye Saptarishi, what are their names and konse gotra ke hem. You know, this is where we get really caught up. And we forget that the whole point is to figure out what's going on in our noggin right here and not what's going on in Krishna's mind. I am the source of everything. From me all creation emerges, realizing this great truth, the wise, awe-stricken, adore me. I love that word, awe-stricken. If we could only know the vastness of God, we'd just be like, Wherever we go, we won't be able to, we won't be able for a moment even to stop adoring him. He's here also. He's in that also. Oh God, he, beautiful. Oh God, beautiful at thy feet. Oh, I do bow. You're everywhere. In the forest, you are green. In the mountains, you are high. In the rivers, you are restless. And this is what Krishna, in fact, is going to explain to us. This is in here, I am here. In this, I am this. Their thoughts engrossed in me, their beings surrendered to me, enlightening one another and conversing of me. They are ever contented and filled with joy. That's again, he comes back to that moment again. That's the mark. The joy will tell you who these people are. 
don't go for those dry philosophical type you know this is the gyan that is coming out of me look and see are they joyful do they speak of god and just feel so happy just talking about god this is krishna talking about satsang enlightening one another and conversing of me what do we do when we get together with people oh kya chal raha hai donald trump kya kar raha hai modi kya kar raha hai yahan kya ho raha hai what's the weather like why tune suna wo kya kar raha hai and we gossip and what you know what's happening here what's happening there and there's no joy in any of that no wonder we're not contented no wonder the manas putras that we are creating are wreaking havoc in our consciousness this is the uh, you know the physical world that god has created internally this is representing this entire physical universe and our universe is definitely not in balance is definitely doesn't feel like it's singing the glories of god definitely in every atom of our being we do not sense krishna's presence and it's because our manas putras aren't the right ones they are not rishis <laughs> to those who are attached only to me and who worship me with love i am part that discernment of wisdom by which they attain me completely again and again krishna wants us to know it's not about the mind as well it's not intellectual we won't figure it out it is that love it is that devotion it is the deep desire to unite with god that's where this wisdom comes from krishna didn't just figure he didn't like say okay this is let me show you a flow chart of the universe do you see here i am and yahan se maine saptarishi and yahan se maine kumar and yahan se devas this is not the point here even though you could create a very interesting hierarchical chart here he's just trying to show you the vastness of his consciousness how it interacts and modifies with maya and as a reflection your consciousness in how it modifies and interacts with maya out of pure compassion i the divine one who dwells in all set a light in their hearts the blazing lamp of wisdom which banishes their darkness of ignorance out of pure compassion krishna says and it doesn't feel that way does it i mean i don't feel god's compassion as that he's like working really hard to banish my ignorance in fact i feel myself often times getting more caught up in ignorance and having to really work hard to get out of ignorance but it's that compassion of god and what is compassion swami ji writes here in little bracket that is out of the selfless gift of love with no admixture of compulsion we're coming to valentine's day this um sunday and this would be probably a beautiful sentence to tune into this valentine's day this compassion isn't coming to us from god this compassion has to awaken in our hearts because what does he say i the divine one that dwells in all i'm already there it's your compassion that will awaken and open this wisdom because i'm already in your heart so it's not that we're waiting ki bhai tera compassion kab aane wala hai i've been you know i've been at it for so long this compassion has to awaken in your heart 
because so easily do we start thinking about these things in mathematical terms. And what is this compassion? Out of the selfless gift of love with no admixture of compulsion. And who is this compassion for? For God. And who is God? Everything. <laughs> so, it, you know, it's just like, where do I stop? Where do I draw the line of my compassion? Where do I not send out this love? That becomes the actual practical applicability of these really confusing words and these names and these hierarchies that don't particularly mean anything except in as much as they awaken your compassion. Arjuna said in adoration, very important to uh, mention that now that Krishna said they adore me, Arjuna said in adoration, O Lord, thou art the supreme spirit, the supreme shelter, the supreme purity, the one, the self-manifested, being the causeless, the eternal, the omnipresent. Sounds a lot like this chant, you know, just like we're just heaping praises. But Arjuna is no longer heaping praises. Arjuna is experiencing this. Oh, this is who you are. It's like he's just expanding in this awareness. O Keshava, Krishna, I consider all that you have revealed to me, revealed as an actual realization, not all that you have said to me, to be eternal truth. This is the moment where the devotee, up till this time, there was doubt. There was confusion. Tell me how to do this. Where should I go? Now Arjuna is starting to experience the truth. Now Arjuna's faith is becoming even more established in experience, not just in Krishna. Neither gods nor demons know your multifarious manifestations. Gods and demons, again, being those dual aspects of our own consciousness, both whether they be uplifting or downward pulling. O Supreme Person, Arjuna continues, Origin of beings, Lord of all creatures, God of gods, sustainer of the world, verily you alone are self-knowing. That experience is self-knowing. Not self-knowing of Krishna. Self-knowing. That experience will reveal to you your true self. This experience of deep love that awakens. That is a direct response of bliss. Swami Kriyananda said, love is bliss in motion. When that bliss is experienced, Every action becomes an act of adoration or love. Everything becomes out of that compassion, where no compulsion draws you anymore. And now Krishna, uh, Arjuna asks again, for our benefit, but also for his, he's still tuning in, he's still really going deep. Please expound fully to me your perfect powers, by which being omnipresent, you sustain the universe. O Supreme Yogi Krishna, how shall I meditate on you to know you as you are? Now, this is a very important question. We go into our meditations and we're not sure. Karna kya hai? Where should I latch on to? Where should I place my attention? How do I meditate on you to know you as you are? In what forms? 
and aspects can I most accurately think of you? Now comes the answers. O oh Krishna, tell me at length of your yoga powers and manifestations, for I never tire of listening to this nectar-like speech of yours. The Blessed Lord said, O oh best of princes, Arjuna, I shall willingly, I love that word, I shall willingly relate to you something of my manifestations, but I'll relate only those which are outstanding, for there is no end to my variety. Once when somebody asked our Guru, when does the spiritual path end? And Master said, it just goes on until endlessness. In the Bible, Christ says, that which my father knows, even I know not. So it's an interesting thing to think of somebody who's completely united with God, with spirit, with everything. Even they don't know. Even for them, there is endlessness of experience waiting. I mean, isn't that just mind destroying <laughs> completely? I can only relate a few things Krishna says because there is no end to my variety. There will never be end to God's consciousness, ever. You will forever, and this is where Yogananda put this beautiful term, this definition to Satchitananda, ever existing, ever conscious, which is how Shankaracharya gave it, but ever new bliss. Never the same. Because if we think of happiness as like, okay, you know, I've had one drink, I've had two drinks, I've had this, I've been lying down for one hour, two hour, three hour. After a while, it's boredom. Happiness so easily becomes boredom because it has no variety and that's why we need new things. The next thing. And in God, everything is experienced anew without end. Eeks. Oh, good acacia. This is one of those words, which means conqueror of sleep. And this is Arjuna, Krishna is addressing. I am the true self dwelling in the heart of all creatures. I am the beginning, the continuation, and the end of their existence. Among the Adityas, I am Vishnu. Among luminaries in the sky, I am the sun. Among the wind gods, or the Maruts, I am Marichi. Among nocturnal luminaries, I am the moon. From this moment on, Krishna is going to go on for several verses, ten almost, of a very similar vein. And we'll go through them a little bit to get a sense of what's happening here. But Krishna now begins to take aspects, different aspects of creation. And he starts to say, in this, I am the highest expression. Among the Adityas, now the Adityas were 12 and they were the children from the Saptarishis who have Kashyap and then Kashyap with Aditi, Aditi has these two wives, creates the gods and creates the demons. With Aditi he has ch the children which become the celestial gods, with Ditti he has the Asuras and from there duality begins. And so in the Adityas, who were 12, as I said, I am Vishnu. I am that absolute highest amongst the Adityas. Adityas are the 12, they represent the 12 different 
aspects, in fact, of the sun for every month. Because the sun, it is said, in every way, every time, every month, every that period is slightly different and has a slightly different quality, which these Adityas represent. And in that, I am Vishnu, because Vaman Avatar was one of those Adityas. Among the luminaries in the sky, I am the sun. So when we look up at the sky and we see this bright ball of fire, the light is so powerful that it kind of blinds us to absolutely everything. Everything exists in the sky still, the stars, the moon, galaxies, but in the presence of the sun, nothing else is visible. Yet that sun throws light on all that we experience and see. So in that luminary within us, I am that sun. Among the Maruts, now the Maruts are 49, I believe, in total. <laughs> and they are the different kinds of winds, which in us are the different kinds of movements of prana. I am Marichi, the most beneficial wind, which is essentially our very breath. Among nocturnal luminaries, I am the moon. So you've got the luminaries in the sky and then you've got nocturnal luminaries. When you awaken, you see me as the sun. But when you are still asleep, which is when there is still darkness, when there is still ignorance, I am the moon because at least in that darkness, I am the brightest. In our context, this is the sun, this is the moon. So when we are in ignorance, I am your ego. When you are awakened, I am your greatest self. And so Krishna is just saying, when you are in darkness and in ignorance, at least your ego gives you enough energy to want to keep expanding and expressing more. Even the ego in darkness is trying to bring you into the light. And that I am. So I'm going to stop here just because there will be no end to it. But next class, we'll just go through them. There are some subtle aspects here. Swamiji reveals a few subtleties. Swami was never one for like, oh, let's really go deep and get really, you know, mentally involved. He just liked to help you get a picture of what it is that this represents. And he says, well, it's not that important because there's still God that we are going to. We're not getting caught up here. We don't need to know how many galaxies and stars and all these things are in the sky. We're going for the sun, so that's all that matters to us. But it just gives you a framework to realize, most simply put, in all that you do and experience, seek the highest, and in that moment, that is God. And then from there, go to the next higher experience. And from there, go to the next higher experience. And just keep making your way up until there is no more higher to go. And that's the spiritual path. <laughs> and that's all it takes for us. Every day, express your highest. In every activity, express your highest. In every desire, fulfill the highest. And that's where you will find Krishna, you will find God. We'll go through, as I said, a few more. There are some fun little kind of esoteric things thrown in there, which I know all of us sometimes enjoy just to contemplate. But um, that's the general gist of what Krishna is trying to share this week with us. I was thinking, what was the reason that made 
Krishna just share with Arjuna so much wisdom, wisdom, so much insight, guidance, and, and so much understanding. And it was Arjuna's high level of joy. Mm. That joy attracted into Arjuna's life, God's creation, God's wisdom through Krishna. And that's what I would like to bring out today from this class. It's going to be very um, beneficial for us to start measuring our spiritual growth with our level of joy. Only then we'll be able to measure our spiritual evolution. At the end of Swami Kriyananda's life, we were a small group of us, and very seriously, he said to those of us who were present, don't concentrate to share the teachings only through words, but share your bliss, share your vibrations of joy, because that's the essence of the spiritual path. So I would like for each one of us to put aside all those negative tendencies that we think we have and we have to work on. And yes, they might be there, but let's not focus on them for a while and let's only concentrate in the joy that we have to share every day and in everything that we do. And if we make of that joy our polestar and, and, and use our level of energy according to the level of joy that we are experiencing in each activity, in each interaction, in each meditation, in each thought, that's where Krishna is. And that will be the magnet that will attract all the answers all the insights, all the guidance that we are looking for. So if you want to really um, forgot to respond to you, to guide you, make sure that your level of joy is really, really high. And make of your joy, that joy, the magnet that will attract absolutely every answer to all our problems.